Event may be too intense for young children, and it's not recommended for children under the age of 13. No costumes or costume masks allowed. Discover Universal presents Halloween Horror Nights Haunted Tales, an anthology series exploring the stories behind Halloween Horror Nights' chilling original creations. An immortal creature recounts the malevolent rise of a horror icon, tracing a path of carnage through decades of evil events. In a story that threads its way throughout Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 2023, here is Dr. Oddfellow's collection of horror. Fenric, we have not spoken in many years, but I believe our shared time in New York, belonging to the same brood of vampires, gives me some privilege to seek your knowledge on the topic of this letter. Specifically, the emergence of a person named Dr. Oddfellow. This person has made me recall events from my past that, until now, seemed unrelated to each other. I believe Dr. Oddfellow is immortal, and yet, he is not of our kind. Your knowledge of other immortal kinds is crucial to understanding the level of threat he may pose, as I am now convinced it is significant. For myself, I will not be able to resist him for much longer. Even now, as I write this letter, I feel his power. It urges me to crush these words in my hand and join him. Please understand this desire to follow him is not native to my own will, but it has been put into me like a spell. I know now that this letter will be my last act of free will. So while I have my sanity, I must continue. On these pages, I have placed my own blood and put selected memories into each drop. As you read, I ask that you allow yourself to see inside my mind as I guide you. My first memory I wish to share is from the 1930s. You will not understand its connection to Dr. Oddfellow yet, but it is a look inside his origins and the birth of his immortality. Fenric, you are already aware of my obsession with Olado because he is one of the oldest and most powerful of our kind. That obsession explains why I was traveling across the American prairie in the 30s. It was known as the Dust Bowl for a good reason, bleak and dry. At that time, I was searching for Olado and the rogue horde that he led as they ravaged that part of the world. They moved quickly, and despite my passionate desire to join them, I remained alone after a year or more of searching. One evening, I heard a report of a mass slaughter that had happened at a circus, and believing it had been Olado, I traveled over a hundred miles during a single night to find what clues I could. I was arriving a few days after, but knew there could still be signs. What I found was something completely unexpected. The scene did not look like the aftermath of a vampire horde feasting on its victims. Instead, I was certain it was a twisted form of sacrifice that had been made with a dark power I had never seen before. If you allow me, I will show you now. By this blood, may you see. Despite the wind flapping the untethered fabric of the circus tent, the air inside is stagnant and smells of human waste, hay, and blood. Dawn is hours away. The circus lights are dark. 
and my lantern's light struggles to fill the small spaces that make up this backstage area. Hundreds of dead bodies litter the ground. Skulls are crushed, limbs and heads are severed, while other victims are contorted, broken in unusual ways, and mutilated. The majority of the victims look to have been patrons. They are dressed in normal attire. A smaller number seem as if they were part of the circus itself. However, the types of acts this circus had were unusual. I find a dead clown with a severed hand sewn into the costume, a man with a bull's head stuffed over his own and then sewn onto his naked shoulders, and two people that were placed against carnival high strikers and had their heads smashed in for sport. I spend an hour investigating the whole place, finding nothing indicating the presence of my own kind. So much blood was spilled into the dirt and hay and then dried that the ground crunches under my boots as I walk from one end to the other. Why kill in this manner? A few of the more disfigured corpses show evidence of post-mortem mutilation and look as if they were put on display for the show. The show posters and props were all designed to horrify the patrons. There are symbols that cover the walls. The owner of the circus had obviously been obsessed with the Zodiac. How strange. In all of the posters and signs, I never find anything bearing the name of this ruinous exposition. The large entrance sign and a few of the larger posters were destroyed by fire, erasing any name associated with the owner of the circus. But the fire had been contained to those signs, and the rest of the scene remained preserved for all to see. One victim has an arrow shot through its head. The bull, a creature looking like a sea goat, the lion, another victim with crab claws, and a woman that seems to be part scorpion. I am certain there are more. How could I not have seen it sooner? The deaths were each linked to the Zodiac. Despite the look of chaos and carnage, there was a design, a purpose, it feels like a ritual sacrifice. Then, I see something that clutches at my mind. It is a symbol remaining on one of the burned signs. The charred wood circles around it, but the symbol supernaturally remains untouched. It is a design of lines and circles, but in their arrangement dwells power unlike anything I've known. Fenric, if you chose to see, then you have seen the symbol. It is clearer in my mind than anything else I saw that day in 1939. In these past few days, more memories have awakened in me. I have seen that symbol twice more in my lifetime. The second time was in 1969, during the decimation of the music festival in upstate New York. You will remember that our brood followed Olato to ravage the streets and feed freely on all we desired. In the midst of the feeding frenzy, I saw that symbol once more. And then, only days ago, it was the same symbol I saw marked on the forehead of Dr. Oddfellow. While the presence of this symbol is not evidence of what I am about to share, keep it in mind as I describe the next time in my life I crossed paths with Dr. Oddfellow. Now, I bring up another name, another mystery. 
He is the vampire known as Erlo Wolf. Undoubtedly, you remember him. I believe Wolf is none other than Dr. Oddfellow. Immediately, I know that you will associate Erlo with Olato because they both disappeared, presumed dead, at the same time following the carnage of the music festival in 1969. If you will recall, I was the first to meet Wolf in 1961. He came to me with believable evidence that he had been turned into a vampire and a convincing story of how he inherited our kind of immortality. Knowing what I do now, I believe he was using some unknown power to masquerade as one of us. I believe he had fabricated this fiction from factual events and even chosen me as his initial target to get him an audience with the council. To tell such a convincing lie, he must have infiltrated our ranks long before we were aware of him. His story was that he traveled with a circus in the 1930s as a clown and that it was attacked by vampires and he was turned. While my memory of the circus show with Zodiac sacrifices is fresh in our memories now, it was a forgotten thing then. He described the chaos of an attack in the middle of the night and that he never saw anything in the dark but only awoke after and then began his transformation. I was convinced by his account, believing that he spoke of an event when Olato and his horde attacked a circus in 1938. In his descriptions, his confusion seemed real, and the details of his transformation into a vampire were intimately detailed. Believing his story, I encouraged him to present himself before the council in New York. Fenrik, you were present when Erlo first spoke, and then when he told of the vampires attacking his circus, we were all surprised when none other than Olato corroborated his account by saying that he had been there. He said that while he didn't remember Erlo, who claimed to have been in clown makeup, he fully believed the testimony. We were all fooled. Then, in 1968, during one of our councils, Erlo Wolf once again described the vampire attack on his circus. The account had changed, however, and the differences stuck like a thorn in my mind for over 50 years now. You may very well remember this moment. Erlo Wolf defied Olato during our regional council, and in his passion of speaking, I believe he changed his lie in a calculated way to achieve a new goal. What's more, I believe he let a moment of his true power be unmasked, if only for a moment. I now pass on to you this memory, and while you witnessed the same event, you did not see it through my eyes. It is the Vampire Council of 1968. By this blood, may you see. Olato lifts himself from the massive mahogany seat. His motion is exaggerated by the candlelight casting his shadow on the wall behind him. The dark shape rises up to touch the plaster ceiling. Every vampire in the old New York basement watches. All of us, silent as the dark. The firelight that reflects in Olato's eyes is aimed directly at the young vampire by the name of Erlo Wolf. Erlo has only recently been given the privilege of sitting on the council. Unaffected by Olato's intimidation, Erlo continues. You know how I turned and became a vampire. I'm a child compared to you. I'm growing, strengthening. But you, 
You're satiated. I don't see that bloodlust that I saw in you when we first met in 1938, the night your horde attacked our circus. I saw the blood frenzy of ferocious vampires toying with their victims and reveling like children in rain puddles. I remember you holding down one victim while you finished off another, as if your thirst couldn't wait. You may have had your fill, but there are those of us who long to let our power free and drink till our heart's content. You speak of our strength, and you gloat about our history, but not all of us are as privileged to be in your seat and have all they wish. Let us free! Let us feed! Erlo's voice is passionate, but something more comes out of him than passion. For a moment, I see traces of light streak across his skin, and then, as if I'd only imagined it, they are gone. In that split second, I feel something I can only describe as a void, like an open, dark mouth of a cave, and then it is gone. The room stirs, but Olato stands unmoved. You are a child, crying like a child for the breast, pleading that we leave our hiding and feast on the bustling streets. And like a child, you are so very ignorant. I have never been satiated. And you will never question me again, Erlo Wolf. I should rip you apart. But I admire your passion. Indeed, we will feast again. And soon. Erlo sinks back and lets his eyes bounce around between the onlookers until he locks eyes with me. His stare doesn't waver. The feeling of that void dissipated when Olato had spoken, but I still can't take my eyes off of Erlo Wolf. I am struck by the thought that he is studying me, waiting for my reaction. Looking into his eyes, I don't see fear or humility. It is triumph. Fenric, it was soon after this encounter that you removed yourself from our brood in New York. Was it because you sensed Erlo's manipulation? It was Erlo's speech that pushed Olato to allow our brood to be unleashed on the music festival in upstate New York. The detail that Erlo used to make it so personal about Olato holding down one victim while feeding on another was knowledge that he gained through me. I once described Olato to Erlo and how he enjoyed a challenge. I described one of Olato's attacks that I'd witnessed in 1955. Erlo gambled with his own life, changed his previous story, and bet on Olato's repeated behavior as something he could use. The self-consumed Olato did not notice the change because he was being questioned directly. So what was the greater purpose? I believe it was a means for Erlo, or as I now know him, Dr. Oddfellow, to gain more power. During that summer of blood in upstate New York, Erlo and Olato both went missing. It is my belief that Erlo took Olato, and it is highly likely that he used his blood to gain some unknown power. While I write this letter, I continue to feel the influence of Dr. Oddfellow on my mind. 
I think Dr. Oddfellow needed the blood of a vampire sacrificed in a specific manner in order to gain a supernatural superiority to our kind. Now to speak directly of my knowledge of this person named Dr. Oddfellow. Over two decades ago, our kind became aware of another type of immortal. Jack the Clown was a person who had returned from the dead in a manner that we could not explain. He has proven difficult to find, but I did encounter him. It was in 2007 when I returned to New York to deal with some of our kind that were using a nightclub to draw in their victims. At that time, I was made aware that Jack had re-emerged, and I immediately traveled from New York to find him. While the details of the trip are unimportant at this time, it was from Jack himself that I first heard the name. According to Jack, Dr. Oddfellow had been Jack the Clown's former employer in a circus in the 1930s. Jack reported that Dr. Oddfellow had killed him, then stuffed him in a box, and when Jack was released, he wanted revenge. Jack said he got it. He murdered Dr. Oddfellow and took his coat and a prized possession known as the Cane of Souls. I saw this cane with my own eyes. Jack held it like a trophy, but I sensed something foreign. In fact, it felt very much like the dark open mouth of a cave, a void, a feeling I had only ever felt in that moment when Erlo defied Olato. While we know that Jack has appeared since that time, there was little knowledge of the fate of the Cane of Souls until now. Now it is held securely in the hand of Dr. Oddfellow. I am certain it is the same, and there is something more. When I saw it just days ago, I felt its, or should I say, his power. The open mouth of the cave, that void is now drawing in breath. To stand in its presence is like standing with your back to the current of a rushing river. What's more, it's as if fangs close around me. I think the cane and the symbol I have spoken of already have a connection. The symbol that is also marked on his forehead is integrated into a larger design on his back. In that design are elements and symbols of the Zodiac, once again proving his connection to the circus in the 30s. In my own research over these past few days, I have found one other occurrence of this symbol in San Francisco in the 1940s. It was located on some shipping crates that were present at a massacre of the stevedores that worked on the docks. The last open lead I have is referencing a place I've never heard of. It is a jungle that when its name is translated is known by the locals as Jungle of Doom. All this to say, I will tell you what I have come to believe. Dr. Oddfellow is the same as Erlo Wolf, meaning that he has the ability to mask his appearance and hide in plain sight. I believe his powers may be connected to the link between humanity and the Zodiac. And I believe that he has gone beyond that power by using our kind. In fact, looking at his scars and the illuminated markings etched into his skin, I am fully convinced that Dr. Oddfellow was the owner and operator of a circus in the 1930s where he employed Jack Schmidt. At that time, he used some kind of power connected with the Zodiac to gain immortality. He also killed Jack and by some accident transferred his immortality to the clown. 
after those events, Dr. Oddfellow continued to grow in power through various means, until devising a plan to use vampires to increase his own power even beyond the power granted by the Zodiac. This is when Jack the Clown found him, and did indeed kill his former boss. However, with his connection to the Cane of Souls and his power gained by the sacrifice of Olato, Dr. Oddfellow has returned from another realm, that dark cave, as something we have never seen before. That brings us once again to now, and these last few moments of my free will. This immortal Dr. Oddfellow now stands welcoming in the masses, sending out a call to all deviants and promising immortality. We'll share a final memory from only days ago, but unless Dr. Oddfellow wishes it, this letter will never see the light of day. By this blood, may you see. stand in the crowd with so many bodies full of fresh blood, standing, shifting, and pressing in around me. It is intoxicating, all the more because of their excitement. Dr. Oddfellow's voice covers the crowd like a hot shower. He is nothing like Erlo Wolf, or like the ringmaster that Jack the Clown described. Somehow he is above the expectations, and yet... He remains calm. He speaks to the crowd amidst shouts of pleading and agony. I want you to feel fear. Not because you need fear me. You want to be like me, but it is fear that brought me here. Why was I obsessed with discovering the power I now possess? Because of fear. It will drive you, lift you, take you where you want to be. I can show you the way to immortality. All you must do is follow my path as I show you visions of horror to break your connection with what has defined you. Blood will be spilled, bodies twisted and torn, but you will keep searching. You may have found meaning in a symbol, in a sign from the stars, and yet I hold those signs in my grasp. Spend this night searching through a collection of visions, revealing my path, so you can find your own way into the power of the Dark Zodiac. Once I have broken you, crushed you, you will thank me as I allow you a sip of this immortal elixir. When he stops speaking, he turns, and even while standing in front of the crowd, he ignores them. They want whatever he is selling. And the truth is, I want it also. In my absurd lust for immortality, my mind whispers that I am already immortal. I don't need Dr. Oddfellow or the lies that he promises. But there is little I can do to resist the thought of traveling his path to something greater. I want to feel fear. I want to join the throng of witless mortals on their journey through death. My body begins to shake. My strength fails and I collapse. I am weak and incapable of going where my feverish desires want to take me. The crowd continues on and enters into the horrors that Dr. Oddfellow has prepared for them. But I slowly crawl away 
like an injured animal until I am far enough to regain a fraction of my strength. And yet, what does it matter? Fenrik, I've written you this letter, shared my memories. I believe I have found enough of the answers to prove the threat, and yet I can no longer gain control of my own will to send them to you. Right now, you likely sit in our homeland, drinking the richest of bloods and feeling your own strength. However, you will remain ignorant of the nightmare that awaits. As for me, all I can hope is to gorge myself on the flesh of these deviant masses and live out my end in a manner of Dr. Oddfellow's choosing. The fangs of the dark void are draining my immortal life, and my power now belongs to him. Your daughter. <laughs>